Welcome to the Nathaniel Noble Jr. Podcast, where we talk about life because it happens to everyone, along with some great indie musicians Q&A sessions. So come aboard, kick back, and let's vibe. So welcome this week's guest on the Nathaniel Noble Jr. Podcast, a young lady I found on the internet. I guess it's a page where you, uh, if you want to be on a podcast or if you have a podcast where those people meet and then, you know, you kind of look at each other's uh, bio and stuff and you say, yeah, I want to, I want to get that person on the show. But anyway, I, I read her bio and I seen a little video of a short video of, uh, her doing a presentation and she goes by the name of Diamond Drip. Welcome to the show, Diamond. Hey, babe. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming on and, you know, taking the time to look at uh, what I had to offer. And I'm glad it met your criteria. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, but uh, anyway, who is Diamond Drip? She's, uh, you, I want you to tell us because you know you better than us. We, we're all getting ready to learn about who you are, what you do, and where you come from, and where you're going today. Okay, fair enough. So um, who is so she? <laughs> I'm Diamond Drip, and I run a consulting company called Diamond Drip Consulting. Um, no big surprise. And what I do inside of my company is I have the wonderful honor and privilege of supporting people who've been in business for a while. They maybe have an audience, but they have no idea how to monetize it. So like the they want to set themselves up as an expert in the field through like master classes, challenges, um, just getting visible and building connection and magnetizing the clients who want to work with them. And so I support them uh, through the tech piece of that, the strategy piece of that, the actual implementation and accountability, um, whatever they need. I'm here for them. It sounds like you got to be smart to do that. <laughs> I do overcompensate with knowledge, um, which is funny because everything they tell you in marketing is to have things in like 12 year old language. So I know all of these fancy terms, but I can't say any of them. <laughs> Why you can't say well. If you say them, you got to break them down for people like me that exactly. understand 12-year-old language. Because <laughs> I'm a student of YouTube. Anything I don't know, I just go find it out from YouTube all the too. great I resources. Understand. Yes, indeed. <laughs> YouTube View is a great place. The problem with it is you just get fragmented pieces of the puzzle a lot of the times. You don't have like a clear plan from it. So far, it's been working for what I need. <laughs> if it's something different, then I had to go to a professional. <laughs> 100%. Like you, yeah, we'll call you in. It's like, hey, well, the fragments didn't work, so I need I need the, the real meat and potatoes. Can you help me out? <laughs> yeah. So what? So where did this all start? Are you you becoming all this, you know, this uh, interested in helping people with businesses? Where did that begin? Yeah. Um. So it actually started with my love of being creative. And um, whenever I was in school, art class was always my favorite. Like, not math, not science. Not lunch, even though some people, they're like, that's not a, whatever. Um, mine was always art. And it's because I love bringing ideas to life in a way that you can, like, communicate them to the world. And so, naturally, um, my degree is in visual communications because that's literally what I do on, a, on an everyday basis. And when AI entered the scene, um, I'm not going to lie, I was scared because I was like, uh brand identities like building websites like that stuff that i do video editing that stuff that i do 
Um, and so we, when AI came on the scene, I got a little scared, but I do this thing where I say, feel the fear and do it anyway. So this is something that I love. It's something that I have a passion for. And I love getting to help business owners who maybe don't have the time to like learn the whole degree program for visual communications, but they need like just little strategies and things like that. So um, now I embrace AI. I use AI and I recommend it as tools for my clients who maybe don't have the time to even learn how to do the things that I'm teaching them. They just want an AI to do it. And so um, my passion for helping people, um, that's always been there. And I just combined it with my love of creativity and digital strategy and all of the things that you really need as a business owner. That's awesome. I'm glad uh, there's young people out there like you taking advantage of it. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm like one of the older guys. Well, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. Maybe about this 30 years. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, it's like all this technology is coming behind us and we got to like play catch up. But you guys are young and you fit right into it and kind of easy to learn it. So it helps bridge the gap between the old and the young. Yeah, we can test them out first. We can be like, yeah, you don't even all that stuff they're talking about. You don't need any of that. This is what you need. <laughs> right. Give me the shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So uh, let me see something else that was going on. I was reading in your bio about you was talking about some mushrooms help you out overcome some issues. You want to talk about that? Oh. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. What's the backstory? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. So I participated in a clinical trial in August of 2022 that used psilocybin, which is the active component in magic mushrooms, and it actually helped cure my depression. And that experience was really the catalyst for coming into like my highest awareness. So before the trial, I was very hard on myself. I was very type A. I was very like, uh, I, I would say recover, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And the trial helped me give myself so much self-forgiveness and so much self-grace and self-compassion to where I have really long to-do lists still. But when something has to get moved to the next day, because I focused on a high value task instead of whatever other things were on the to-do list. It gives me like that ability to take a breath within myself. And that self-compassion and self-grace is something that I want every single solopreneur, entrepreneur to have. So it's one of the reasons why like I talk about self-care. But the trial itself, I attribute it as having cured my depression. I know scientists may have like something else on like cures and whatever, quote unquote. But for me, I feel cured because for the first time in so long, I actually feel happy to be alive. Like I was content with being alive at first, but I'm actually happy to get up each day and know that I'm doing something that I love. I'm supporting the people I love, my daughter, my family. And it's just amazing. Okay, so break it down. What is the heck is a magic mushroom? It got superpowers. <laughs> so, um, so they're right. There are two types of mushrooms. So, regular mushrooms, something like a lion's mane, shiitake, okay. reiki. Those are like your medicinal mushrooms. Like they all grow the same from mycelium. But the difference with the uh, the scientific term is psilocybe cubensis, and that those are the ones that contain the actual psilocybin active component. And so when psilocybin enters your bloodstream, it activates the dormant 2A uh, serotonin receptors in your brain. And what that does is it causes those feelings of like euphoria, like the feel good feelings. 
Um, they also, if you take enough psilocybin, they give you those visualizations. You can like feel the music. Like it's a whole like groovy experience if you take enough psilocybin. Back in the day, they call them shrooms. <laughs> yes, shrooms, uh, <laughs> magic mushrooms. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff they used to get high on. Okay. So I guess you got to yeah. take it in a, enough a portion where it don't take it too far. Huh? Um, so no, it's actually all about set and setting. So back in the 70s and the 60s and things, people did take them to get high. They wanted to leave their body and have another experience. But with the trial, they actually teach you how to use it as medicine. So um, it was a 15-week trial. And most of that, because the, the actual dosing day is only one day for like eight hours. So the whole rest of the trial is about setting intention, um, making sure that you're comfortable with the environment, with the person who's going to be in the room with you. So I had a dosing therapist and they really, um, whatever your biggest challenges are, they help you set goals around like how you want to overcome them. And if you, and they prepare you for the trip. So I had already had mushroom experiences before, so they didn't have to prepare me much, but for some people, um, they have to go over like coping mechanisms because if you're in the experience and something really heavy comes up and you find yourself like on the verge of an anxiety attack or something like that, you need someone there who knows how to calm you down and how to bring you back to the moment so that you can continue forth with the the experience. Because once you take psilocybin, it's in there. Like it's not like cannabis where you smoke and you get too high and you take some CBD to mellow it out. Like it's in there <laughs> and it's in there. So you got to have a place to where you can kind of just go with the flow. Um, and so again, the trial, it helps you use it as, as medicine. There's like um, set and setting. There's a playlist that they use that helps you like go to a introspective place in your subconscious to where you can really like focus on the things that you set intention for. And then of course, processing it. Because a lot of people don't, like, they have these grand experiences. They might have insights, but they never take the time to, like, process them and implement them into your life. Wow. That sounds deep. I don't know. I just... Slightly. Uh, well, I guess, uh, <laughs> do you have to take it every day or just some... It was just a trial period and you cool now. Did you know that over 92% of people in the United States are deficient in one or more vitamins or minerals? Unfortunately, the foods we eat just don't have enough of the vitamins and minerals our bodies need to maximize our immune systems, strengthen our organs, and help our bodies perform at their best. It's also the reason why so many people get sick. In fact, over 80% of patients who got COVID-19 were deficient in vitamin D, and up to 82% critically ill patients are deficient in vitamin C. The fact is, we need supplements. And now for the first time ever, you can get the highest quality, most complete supplements on the market for prices that anyone can afford. With Live Good, you can afford to be healthy. Check out joinnatenow.com and check out the six minute video. Leave a good name and email and we'll get with you with more information. Have a great day. Yeah. So that's what they're, that's what all the research is, is looking to see. So for some people, they have one hero dose experience, or I just call it an, an experience dose. And that's about 
five grams or more of magic mushrooms. And so some people have one of those experiences and they're good for the rest of their life. Some people might need to dive in a couple of times to really figure out what the root cause of whatever their issue is. For me, I'm a lifelong learner. So I plan to have at least one hero dose experience once a year, maybe twice a year, because I love personal development and working on self and learning more things about how to be more connected to the world. So I plan to dive in, but you can do what's called microdosing. So you don't even have to do an experienced dose necessarily. So when you microdose, it's the process of taking no more than 0.5 grams of magic mushrooms. And so with that, it's like a slight it's like a slight activation of those dormant serotonin receptors versus like the five grams, which is going to take you just like open up all your mental pathways, your neural connection, whatever. <laughs> like microdosing, it does the same thing as antidepressants, but without all of the man-made negative side effects, like you might die and all of the- all of the whatever that they put into the orthodox medicine. So there's really two types, um, two types of ways, hero dose and then, of course, microdosing. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like you've been doing your research on that. You sound like you sound like you can <laughs> it's help. something I'm really passionate about. Yeah, it sounds like you can help somebody out of a dark tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the roadmap. Yeah. I've been there. Let me help you. Come here. <laughs> Go this way. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, I've been in a place a few times in my life where I have wanted to end my life. And if I could be the help for someone when they're in that space, if I could say something to change their perspective, to make them see it in a different way, then 100% is one of the reasons why I started my YouTube channel, because I didn't see any diverse female faces talking about the benefits of what psilocybin can do for you, because historically it's been seen as like this hippie drug from back in the seventies that people did at Woodstock. And it's like, no, it's actually medicine if you use it the right way. Pretty much like anything, huh? You use it in its proper dosage, not abuse. (laughs) Yes. Overindulging. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So hey, can we talk about why you were depressed? Oh, that's too that's a subject. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, because I I I like to know this this is my point. I like to see is is a reason why people do what they do. Something happened Mm -hmm. and then how they overcome it. How they overcame it. That's the that's the, the, the story I like to see. You know, yeah, I had this dark day. But this is how it came to the light and overcame it and still prospered in life. You know, can you yeah. can you bring that to the surface and tell us yeah. about that so we can kind of see the superstar you are? <laughs> but one time you wasn't always the superstar, but you had to go through something to get there. So that's there. Yeah. Break it down 100%. for us. Diamond dripping on us, yeah. will you? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You got to excuse um, me. I'm a, I'm a poet and didn't know it. So I, I have a creative mind too. So stuff be flowing out. I love that. Um, and don't be stealing my yeah. rhymes. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Exclusive. Um, I know. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up with an undiagnosed borderline mom. And so what I mean by that is um, she was never diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. However, I've come to know quite a few therapists in my lifetime. And three out of four of them agree that she is borderline personality disorder with uh, like hints of 
narcissistic narcissistic disorder or something like that whatever the bdsm thing says and when you grow up with someone like that for context they're they go to extremes when things don't go their way so um an example of this was something happened between my mom and my aunt at some point in my lifetime and for three years of my life i wasn't allowed to talk to my aunt and so when my aunt would come and deliver groceries to my grandmother, who was blind and couldn't see, therefore couldn't shop for her own groceries, she would occasionally, my aunt would bring me like pepperoni packs and things like that because she knew I liked the little snacks. And I wasn't even allowed to say thank you because of whatever, like if she were coming to the house and my mom knew it in advance, she'd be like, don't go downstairs because of whatever was going on between the two of them. So when people have borderline personality disorder they're very like self-involved and they're very like if you're not with me you're against me kind of deal and so they act out in very extreme ways sometimes and so being a child in that environment I experienced various forms of abuse emotional mental physical sometimes and when I got to a point where I wanted to start forming my own relationships that was threatening for her, especially when I got into my teen years, right? Mm-hmm. When boys are involved and <laughs> I want to go hang out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and so we butt heads a lot, so much so to where I actually had to be removed from her care when I was 14 for child abuse and neglect. And so I was entered into uh, the system. I was in a group home and the same aunt whom I wasn't allowed to talk to, um, she kind of followed the situation and she felt so much compassion for the situation that I was in that she actually became certified to basically be my foster mom. But they don't call it foster parenting when it's family. They call it kinship care. Um, And so that process of 14 years of all of the stuff and the things that I did to try and get away from her, um, some of those things, as I mentioned before, I've this hasn't been the first time, like there were times where I often thought about killing myself just to escape from her because she was my mom. She's my legal guardian. Like I was afraid that people weren't going to believe me because, you know, there oftentimes weren't bruises. Like I just, I was, I didn't know what else to do. And so I thought about killing myself as like an escape from that. And so growing up with 14 years of that and then being in the system, Um, and then when I was in the system, they found my dad who I had met for the first time. Um, like, I don't even know. So he was around when I was little until I was like two. And then my mom, something happened between the two of them. And then he wasn't in my life. And, um, so they found him when I was in the system and he was like, what? My daughter's in the system. Heck yeah. Like we got to get her out. Um, and so I went from living with my aunt to living in his care, which I was 16. I like, I had my 16th birthday party at his house. So I was 16, um, finally free from my mom, as it were. And now I have this new parent whom I don't know, trying to right. establish these rules and all of these How'd that work things. out? Yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> Hi, we're Marla and Dave, and you're listening to the Nathaniel Noble Jr. Podcast. Please join us on our website, Loving Beyond Reason. That's www.lovingbeyondreason.org. We look forward to seeing you there. Um, 
Oh, and I when growing up with my mom, I was an only child. And when I went to live with my dad, I became a middle child of five. Wow. So, um, yeah. How did that dynamic work out? It's like all these strangers and I'm supposed to fit in here coming from that storm of 14 years. and <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Um, suffice it to say, me and my dad butt heads a bit as well. And I ended up living with my aunt until I left for the Air Force. And hey, when Air I Force. went into the Air Force. Thanks for your service. I'm Air Force too. Nice. Yes, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I though, although I got Disney World, and you got old, old school Air Force. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what it is <laughs> for now. basic training. <laughs> yeah, for basic training, all the new buildings we have, like the things where you put the water bottle under, and it just automatically the oh, water comes God. out. <laughs> they, they still do ba- basic training in Lackland. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just a new part. They redid some of Lackland. And so they call that Disney World because it has all the nice new stuff. All the George Justin <laughs> and modern day technology stuff. <laughs> Everybody else is in like the bunk beds. And the, the yeah, we had the Flintstone era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but even when I was in the Air Force, like I joined the Air Force primarily because I wanted money for school. I was like, I know I want to continue learning. Mm-hmm. And I know I don't have money for it. And so I'm told you get paid to learn while you're in the Air Force. So I went into the Air Force and I honestly should have waited for something that was more in line with what I wanted to do in life. Because once I was finally enlisted into like some technical thing that I had to learn, like science and like electrical circuit boards and stuff for, like I survived in Lackland. So basic training. I survived in uh, first part of tech school, which was in Biloxi, Mississippi. So it was like kind of by a beach. It was kind of nice. Keesler? Yeah, Keesler. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I went to Wichita Falls, Texas for the second part of tech school. Is that uh, Shepherd? Which one is it? Was it Shepherd? I think that was Shepherd. Yeah. yeah. That was my tech and, school. And, um, as you know, there's nothing to do in Wichita Falls, nothing. Texas. <laughs> we'll work out. <laughs> and so there's nothing to do in Wichita Falls. And all of my like close uh, airmen, I guess, I wouldn't call them friends, but all of my close airmen, I left, you know, we all went to separate places for our second part of tech school. So in essence, I was alone a lot. And I wasn't with my family and I wasn't doing something that I loved. And that was actually one of the last times that I felt like killing myself. Mm. And I, you know, and as the years have changed in, in basic training and tech school, they actually try to care about your mental health a little bit, like on the back end, the counter don't, but like on the front end, like for PR, yeah. they care about your We're mental here health. For you. And so <laughs> Exactly. You actually got to be there for yourself, really. (laughs) So they ask like questions whenever you go to the doctor for anything um, around depression. And so, you know, you say no. Like if you want to stay in, you know, you say no. Uh And so I was in such a place of depression where I was like, what if I just say yes? And so they brought me back. And they asked me some questions about like how I was feeling suicidal and all of those things. And they were like, well, where did this all start? And so I finally like just broke down and I told them everything. I told them about all the times I like harmed myself, wanted to kill myself, ran away, whatever it was. And they were like, oh, we're going to have to call someone. And someone left (laughs) and then they left and then they came back and they were like, yeah, so we're going to admit you to the hospital that's 
uh, Red River. And so I was like, okay, um, here we go at this again, because it wasn't the first time that I had been hospitalized, but it was the first time that I had been hospitalized as an adult. And so that was like an interesting turn of events because it was like before it was like my parent consented. And now it's like, they're pretty much telling me that it's voluntary, but like, if I don't want to get in trouble, I pretty much have to like do it. Like there's no alternative. I'm going to be in trouble if I don't do it. Mm. So I went. (laughs) I went and I was, I was really curious about what was going to happen, like whether they were going to keep me in, whether I was going to be able to go home. But all I knew in that moment was I was on it. I really was feeling like not in my right self. And I knew that I did need help of some sort. Just wish it wasn't in the military. So um, I was in in Red River for about three weeks. This happened in November and uh, like end of November. And I was in there for about three weeks. And then it started getting close to Christmas. And I was like, I really hope that I can go home for Christmas, Um, especially because I had already like bought my travel plans in advance because they were like, you know, you want to get your flights and stuff early. Uh And they weren't giving me an answer. And it wasn't until just recently, honestly, I now know why. Um, Because I think they were going to like keep me. But then when they realized that I was getting close to my 180 days, of being in service, they were like, yeah, we, cause I'm telling you one day, everything just started moving super fast. They were like, you're going home. We got to get your stuff from like, you got to pack up your stuff from the dorm room so that you can ship it home. And like, I'm like, oh, but you know me at the time I was like, I just want to go home. So I didn't think anything of it. And now I'm like, oh, (laughs) you had to get me out before my 180 days. So I don't get benefits. Okay. That's cool. I got you. Um, Wow. But, suffice it to say um all of those things uh they put me in a very like dark place especially when I came home and I was a civilian because it was like in the military everything's taken care of for you like you have a place to live you have uh-huh. a job you yeah, have insurance in. uh-huh. yeah like if you don't base like you don't have to worry about food like you just you're you're set essentially like you're right you have to be in service and get up early and right, stuff right <laughs> but you're set and so when you go back to civilian life it's like i'm free but what is freedom what you exactly and I was in a in a long distance relationship while I was gone. So it was like, okay, now we gotta like yeah, see where this is at. Cause I've sucks. been gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I learned some stuff had happened while I've been gone. So that was like in a dark place. Uh so just keep digging the hole. Huh? Just keep digging the dirt out the hole. I'm jumping. You can laugh about it now. You weren't laughing then, huh? I was not laughing then. A lot of tears, a lot right. of anger, frustration. But um, one movie was kind of like one of the catalysts for like getting out of the hole that I was in. I was watching. Um, well, first of all, in my depression, I didn't want to move. I didn't want to do anything. So I had signed up for a, a temp agency. Um, so, you know, if I got a temp position, then I would go. But if I didn't, I was home watching Netflix all day, not moving, not eating, not living life at all. For real. It's a vegetable, huh? yeah pretty much um and one of the movies that i watched was pain and gain with uh john cena i think and matt damon and one of the first things that they said was uh in the intro they were like i love what i do i get to wear sweatpants to work and i just get to like tell people that they're looking good and this and that and so i was like huh sweatpants to work seems like something i could do 
just telling people that they're doing a good job? Maybe. So I started applying to to gyms. <laughs> I was like, this will at least get me out the house, uh-huh. get me making some money. Yeah, and work out. Uh, that wasn't necessarily <laughs> in the <laughs> Uh, in the parks that I had in mind. Um, but I went to a couple of interviews, ended up landing a position at Washington Sports Club, which is a um, like a umbrella of Town Sports International New York Sports Club. And um, it was from there that I really started to find like motivation in life, I guess, or at least career motivation. Uh-huh. Um, because I do this thing where when things aren't going well in my personal life, I really just like dive into work. And when work isn't going well, I'm like, whoa, okay, personal life relationships, what can we do here? So (laughs) um, personal life obviously wasn't going great. So I really dove into work and I moved up fairly quick in the company. Like I think I was like front desk uh, associate for like two months. And then I was like moved up to front desk manager. Then I was like sales and then all the way to general manager. And it was in the general manager position that I ended up having my own location in in, uh, Virginia because I'm in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Uh And that location, it it had done well with sales. Um, I'm not a salesy person at all. It's funny. I one of the reasons why I wanted to quit the gym so much was because I hated sales. And then I became an entrepreneur and I'm like, now you got to sell. It sells all the time. <laughs> That's crazy. Huh? <laughs> I fact, you got to um, sell more I, now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but um, I digress. And so I, I hated sales, but that location, it was doing good. We just, you know, someone wanted to pay more for this space and uh, corporate ended up losing the lease. I lost my job. And I got that call. Literally, I was um, I was moving boxes in from a U-Haul into my first apartment wow. that I had signed a lease for. Yeah, I just because I was like, I'm salaried. I got this job. I'm a general manager. And, um, you know, I can afford this two bedroom for 12 months for me and my daughter. We've got this. And then, like, literally, I put down I'm walking the boxes into my apartment. I get a call. I'm like, oh, it's Dave. What's this? Like, maybe it's good news. Let me put my box down and see what he's talking about. He's like, yeah, this is what's happening. And I was like, I I cannot even process this because I have to finish moving into this apartment that I thought that I was going to be able to afford. And you're talking about unemployment. I don't even know what that process is like. They didn't even give you guys like a severance pay or nothing? (laughs) No, it was very much here's unemployment. You qualify because not everyone who gets let go from the gym is qualified for unemployment. Wow. And so I was just like, okay. So, um, right. I did the self-employed. Yeah. (laughs) I did the self-employed thing for a little bit. Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, trying to make money, make ends meet. Cause like I said, two bedroom apartment for me and my daughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I realized that like, I was doing a lot of work and I wasn't getting a lot of money and I still had to worry about taxes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, if I'm going to have to do work and I'm going to have to worry about taxes, let's look into this entrepreneurship thing. And um, from there, it was, you know, got us here. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a, a movie. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, so you figure depression is over? Or you, you just know how to be- deal with it better? So for me, I say that my depression is over and the there's there's 
one thing that like makes me be like, eh, it might like my diagnosis still affects me. And it's because, so I was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder. And so that's a, that's a hormonal imbalance in your brain. It's not as, you know, extreme in terms of like the mania of bipolar one, but it's the depression part is very severe. And that's one of the reasons why they were doing a clinical trial for bipolar two people specifically. And the magic mushrooms helped cure my depression because for about three weeks out of the month, I'm good. I'm very happy. I'm very like mindful. I'm very like high in spirit. I'm energized. But one week out of the month, I have an influx of hormones that enter my body. And that kind of sends things into a tizzy. Would, and by <laughs> would that be would that be part of like the menstrual? Yes. Okay. Then it, yeah. Just yes. extra stuff going on. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of like whatever balance I have for the three weeks out of the month, like that one week where I'm like PMSing and stuff, yeah, like all over the I'm place. irritable. I don't want to do anything. Like I just want to like lay in bed. And I remember the first time it happened after the trial. I was so scared. Like, it's one of those things where, like, if you have cancer uh-huh. and you're in remission and something just doesn't feel right, you're like, is it back? Like, am I, like, am I going back to that place that I was? Because I don't want to go back. Right. And then, you know, my period ended. Things started looking up. And I was like, oh, okay. And I thought nothing of it. But then it happened again. And so then I started keeping track of it. And now I know, like, no. Like, for very legitimate reasons, <laughs> right. one week out of the month, like I kind of can't help my irritability and my, you know, not wanting to do anything. So, with the exception of that week, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Cool. Um. Um. First of all, I want to thank you for just hanging in there and not giving up. You know, all the times you <laughs> wanted to just do with it. You know, I think, I think, uh, I don't know. A lot of people probably won't admit it, but a lot of people like probably thought about offering themselves. I mean, I, I didn't dealt with that, you know, a couple of times in my life and stuff, but somehow it's like, uh, I don't know, I'm still here. Yeah. You know, I was going, when I was going through my first, uh, first divorce and stuff, it was just one of the moments where I was like, Hey, what's the use? Yeah. But then I had two little babies. I'm like, Ooh, I can't leave them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let yeah. me get my grown man shorts on and keep on trucking through this pain. And here 100%. we are. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just, yeah, I had some dark days, but somehow I just prayed enough and got around positive people and, you know, just kind of like fought through the, you know, those errors. And uh, I didn't, little people will help for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, the little people? Like they're, oh, they give yeah, you, they're they, great motivators. They give yeah. you superpowers. <laughs> they, they make, yeah. <laughs> they create you to the super superhero position because it's like, they're watching me. Yes. You can't show no fear. I mean, when they're not looking, then I can go in my little corner and cry or whatever. Yeah. And God help me, God. And when they're around, I'm like, I'm dad. Superhero. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Kids do motivate you. They kind of give you, you know, the the extra ump to like, yo, you can do it. Yeah. And then I didn't want to leave my babies to this crazy world. Like, no, I'm going to stay in here and just suffer and suffer through this and get through it. And then, you know, now everything's fine. 
So yeah, anybody out there going through depression, hang in there. If you gotta take every second, just hang in there. Pray harder. Go work out. Take a walk or something. Do something that's gonna convert that energy into something positive for you. Don't 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 do it. Don't jump off the edge. Yeah. Life is worth living. You got a lot of living left, and you know, there's a lot of things that won't happen if you're not here. So we need you here. Yes. We that is the message. We need yeah. you here. Okay, look at Diamond. <laughs> Diamond. What would we do without Diamond? Diamond has made it across all those bridges and all those dark days, and now look at her. Look like sunshine. <laughs> you can't even tell she's been through it. She don't, she don't, <laughs> put it this way. She don't look like she uh let me see. How does it how does it go? You don't look like what you've been through. Oh yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Not at all. You think she had a wonderful life all her life. She stays smiling and stuff, <laughs> bubbly. <laughs> yeah, no. You just don't know. She's been through the war zone with landmines blowing up, boom, bam. But here she is, superhero, yeah. diamond drip. And how old is your daughter? <laughs> how old you? you have a daughter, right? Yes. How old is she? She, uh, she just turned six in May. Oh, yeah. You got a baby. You got to hang around. Yeah. You don't want yeah. nobody raising your baby. That's your baby. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, the the Red River thing was the last time I actually really thought about seriously killing myself. And when Taylor was born, like, I may have had thoughts of, like, and this was something that I learned in the trial, because there's something called passive suicidal thoughts. What's that? So, so regular suicidal thoughts are like, I'm going to step in front of a train. I'm oh, going to do this. I'm going to take these pills. Right. But... I was having a lot of passive suicidal thoughts, especially once I got my life insurance policy to have something to leave behind when uh, my daughter was gone. And so it would be like, I'd be driving and if someone would swerve, I'd be like, oh, that was close. But what if they did swerve or what if that was a truck? Like I would have passive suicidal thoughts to where I would think about dying uh-huh. in like normal everyday situations and thinking like, oh, that wouldn't be such a bad way to die. Ooh. versus like <laughs> yeah versus like actually being happy to be alive and stuff so <laughs> both are yeah how, i had a lot of past what's up i was about to say how do you how do you uh stop doing that so the trial helped me because i hadn't when taylor was born i couldn't imagine like taking some pills or like hanging myself or anything like that to try and kill myself like i couldn't imagine doing that to her like someone telling her that i did that to myself right But like I said, I would have passive suicidal thoughts, which I didn't even know until the trial. And so for those people, I would say just talking to someone who you trust, who you honestly feel like is going to be a judgment-free zone because you don't want to talk to your best friend and be like, and the best friend is not someone who maybe is in touch with their emotions in such a way. And they're like, girl, you crazy. Like you don't need that in that moment. But talking to someone who can like actually sit in those feelings with you and encourage you to maybe talk to a professional hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause you don't want passive suicidal thoughts either because they're, they're dangerous. Right. I had a good reason to not, you know, do anything because I have my daughter, but some people don't have kids and they do have passive suicidal thoughts that grow into actionable. Right. You keep, you keep feeding that monster, that monster going to come and eat you up. Yeah. Whatever thoughts you feed the most, you know, just be careful. So you want to feed positive thoughts. 
Yep, yep. Whatever, like, like you got the red dog and the, the white dog, or whatever you call it. <laughs> whatever one, whatever dog you feed the most is gonna, it's gonna grow. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. so you want to starve the one that's gonna endanger you, and feed the one that's gonna, you know, enrich you. If that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, and it's it's been so cool. Um, when I started my channel, I wasn't sure where it was gonna go. I just knew that it was necessary. Okay, speaking I- of the channel, what, tell us the channel. <laughs> we want to find out we get... um, so it's called um the trippy drip creator uh-huh. uh so it's a play on like my love of psychedelics and then my love of cre- creativity so my channel is called the trippy drip creator and one of the reasons why i started it again was because i wanted to be a diverse face talking about the benefits of psilocybin and psychedelics uh-huh. have you ever heard of michael poland no Okay, so he is, he wrote a book called How to Change Your Mind with uh, How to Change Your Mind. It's a really long title. It's like How to Change Your Mind: What the Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Depression, Anxiety, PTSD, and Addiction. Like it's a really long title, but this whole book, this white man's book, is about his psychedelic experiences with like magic mushrooms, DMT, ashwagandha like all like his recants of all of these different experiences and he gets speaking engagements and all of these different opportunities because he was bold enough to put himself out there like that and i'm like i'd say magic mushrooms to black people and they're like girl that stuff is for white people and i'm like but it's not though it's (laughs) not (laughs) so I started my channel so that I could at least be, I don't know if there are other diverse faces. I don't. I looked for them. I couldn't find them. But I know that I wanted to be one of them, Uh educating them about the benefits of psilocybin. And it's been so cool that I did that because I have people like reach out to me on Facebook Messenger or they'll reach out to me on my email. I'm talking to this one person who has bipolar he lives in Brazil. They don't have magic mushrooms there. They only have like orthodox medicine and other things. And I actually like we touch base with each other because like I just I don't know, my heart is big and if I can help you in some small way just by shedding like my light on an experience that I had or an insight that's helped me or a quote that's helped me, then I'm going right. to do that. Pay it forward. Yeah. Cool. So that that's a YouTube channel, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. We'll have that in the uh bio in the links. <laughs> okay. What okay. other, what other channels you have where we can find you? Oh, uh, anything that you want to find me on, you can just search Diamond Drip. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, however, if you are a professional, my preference is LinkedIn. Like it's crazy to say that because I set up my first LinkedIn when I was in high school, uh-huh. and I was on Facebook and Twitter at the time. And so when I set it up, I was like, "It's boring over here." And when I say that's like my go-to now, like uh-huh. if I'm like, oh, I have five minutes to kill. Let me see what I'm going to do. LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I'm over there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So do you have a, a website, a main website? Oh, yeah. 100%. DiamondDripConsulting.com. Right on. So this is the part of the show since we, uh, we've uh we been talking past our 30 minutes because you talk too much. <laughs> so, but it, you, you're a public speaker too right if, if someone needs yeah. you to speak yeah they yeah. You come speak to people and kids and all that i saw yeah. you talking to a group of uh, kids on your video yeah yeah, yeah. looking yeah. like a kid herself yeah. talking to the kids Stop. Stop. <laughs> hey hey you got good genes hey accept it hey <laughs> say black don't I crack appreciate that. yeah they do 
You know what's funny? What? I had I was talking to this uh Asian woman and she was like, rice stays nice and black doesn't crack. <laughs> I was like, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> But look, uh, this is the part of the show where I have my guests uh, drop some positive life nuggets on the people. What you got? Dripping on them. <laughs> so I have three things, and I'll make them quick. The first one I've already alluded to. It's one of my favorite quotes. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Because the only thing stopping you is the fear of the unknown, and you have no idea the possibilities on what's on the other side of your fear. The second one is comfort and growth can't coexist. So if you're ever feeling like I'm doing so much, I'm overwhelmed. This feels like a lot. I don't know if I'm gonna have to put something off. Just know, just take comfort in the knowledge that like, you're obviously doing a lot of growing and whatever uncomfortable feeling that you're feeling in that moment, you are also growing at the same time. And the uncomfortable feeling doesn't last forever. So just focus on the growth and you will get through it. And this third one, I got to get this out there like publicly before someone else. Bring it. Says it. <laughs> Put it out <laughs> there. I Exclusively. The I said it. Yes. I said it the other day on a Zoom call and like now it's like, boom. Okay. So we're going to seal it on this deal. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> yes. So I might be an introvert, but my business is not. So if you are an introverted business owner and you feel like, ah, I don't know if they're going to like my TikTok thing. So I don't know if they're going to resonate with this. Do it because you might be an introvert, but your business isn't. And the more you're out there being authentically you, people are going to connect with that. People are going to ma- be magnetized to that. So don't let your introvert tendencies stop you from getting out there. I'm 100% an introvert and look at us now. Like <laughs> you heard it exclusively on Nathaniel Noble Jr. podcast. I'm kind of like that too. Until I don't have to be. Yes. But yeah, every, everybody got their own tribe. You know, just put put you out there and your tribe will find you. Yeah. 100%. And it can be anywhere in the world, you know, wherever there's internet connection and stuff. So that's that's one of the reasons why I started my podcast because uh, I'm the only one with my voice, my yeah. thoughts, my heart, and my style of uh, doing stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah. What do you think about this this, this podcast? It's kind of like we just having a conversation, like a long time friends. <laughs> And I love that. I love podcasts that are like that because it's so much more genuine and authentic right. versus like the rehearsed oh, script no. question. I don't have no script. Yeah. My script yeah. is who are you? Introduce yourself to us so we can be your friend. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. I, I figured, I mean, this is how I make friends. It's like the more I know about you, the more I can understand you. And then oh, I can treat you like you need to be treated based on your experience and your, you know, your, you know, your, your uh, way of life and stuff. A thousand percent. I mean, yes. if I don't if I don't get a chance to know you, your where you come from, what you've been through, and stuff, I can't understand you. I just know you on the surface. No, I want to know you. Who are you? What you've been know, through? No like and trust. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's a that's how I deal with uh, people. You know, new people and stuff. Like, what's your backstory? Everybody got a backstory. Whether it's good or bad. And I'm so grateful that you're like uncovering those underdog stories because, like, I don't think that I've I've done a speaking engagement where I went like that far back and caught up into entrepreneurship. Like I, the Keesler and the shepherd, like you took me back when you said hey, shepherd. I've been there. I was like, oh, is that I lived there oh, six man. weeks or whatever. Many weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, it was, it was shepherd, uh, Lackland. What was it? Wichita Falls. Uh, I forgot the other base. Reese. I was at Reese. 
Air Force Base. I was supposed to go to McCord. That was going to be McCord, that's in I Washington. Huh? Actually, gotten mm-hmm, if I'd actually gotten through second part of tech school. Yeah, and the only reason I was at Keesler because I had broke my hand at Columbus, and that, mm. they had to send me down there to get my cast on my hand. Keesler there down is when I found beach. out. There is where I found out how sexy the Navy uniforms were, and for just a second, I was like, "Oh, I should have went to the Navy." The Navy. I was like, "I can't swim." <laughs> oh, they'll teach you. <laughs> I know they will, but they're not going to teach me nice like the swim instructor. Oh no, just throw your butt in there, get in there. <laughs> swim or drown. <laughs> cool. One more thing. You you said the word solopreneur. I never heard that until I seen your uh, video. Break that yeah. down. Did you coin that or what? No, no, that's a term that's out there. So when people think of entrepreneurs, they think of these like, you know, CEOs and they think of teams and things like that. But not every entrepreneur has a team. Sometimes it's just them. They're wearing all of the hats of their business. And so those are the people that I love to work with because I know what it's like. I know the overwhelm that comes with that. And I want to get you to a place to where you know what exactly is a high value task that you should be doing and what you can delegate. And I'll even help you find the resources to delegate to them. VAs, AIs, whatever it is. So I guess I'm a solopreneur. I don't have no team. You're looking at at the team. (laughs) This is one of my hats. I got a head up there. Yeah. Most solopreneurs don't even know that they're solopreneurs. Right, right. You you just do what you got to do, you know? Yeah. You do what you have to do. Okay, so uh, anything else before we go, before we wrap it up? Just much love and blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Right on. I want to thank you for coming on the Nathaniel Noble Jr. Podcast. It's been a plum pleasing pleasure. Stay positive (laughs) and stay up and keep that smile going, and we'll see you at the top. I appreciate you. Nathaniel Noble Jr. Podcast. Hi, this is Diamond, and you're listening to the Nathaniel Noble Jr. Podcast. Be sure to check me out at diamonddripconsulting.com. Thanks for listening to the Nathaniel Noble Jr. Podcast. If you've enjoyed our show, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. We appreciate every one of you. 